if there's no direction, okay, if the plan doesn't say what happens, I always start with close family members and say, does anyone want to and willing to take on the animals? Hopefully there's no fighting. Okay, hopefully one person's willing to do what no one else is. But if there's nowhere else to go, um, usually you look for an organization and sometimes it goes to a shelter. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into Complete Estate Planning. We are talking about how to save the animals. Estate planning for pets. I am Ben George. He's Nick Rosenbauer, estate planning attorney and the owner of Rosenbauer Law Office there in the greater Cincinnati area. You'll find him online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Nick, do you do a lot of estate planning for pets? Um, I can't say it comes up all the time, but I do have a number of situations where we have some considerations for the animals. And the last thing you want is something happens, you pass away, especially those people. And Ben, there's plenty of people who, frankly, they like the animals more than they like the kids, uh, probably yeah. at least more better behaved. So it's not uncommon. And just like anything else, dogs, cats, um, you know, hamsters, fish, what have you, what do we do with them? Okay. Uh, we don't just leave it out on the street. You know, that's not a good idea. So I, I do uh, a fair amount of it. Some of it's certainly more complex than others, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But yeah, a lot of people, uh, their furry friends or their fish or whatever it may be, snakes. I'm um, doing uh, some, some work actually with a family that's got some snakes right now. Hmm. I don't... I don't hate snakes. Um, I would never have one, but I would go over to someone else's house and hold their snake for a few minutes and then put it back and go home. Because <laughs> yeah. I think, don't they always get out? I don't know. Of their cage never eventually. Like I, I just, I, I've never heard of a situation where someone had a snake and they didn't have a time when it got out of the cage at some point. Um, so I'm not really into that. And then, Ben, when I was in middle school, I heard this story, and, and who knows if it's true or not, but I heard a story on, you know, talk radio, because, you know, just listening to the car with my parents driving, mm -hmm. that someone had, uh, oh, goodness, what was it? It was like a 12-foot, like, ball python or something, this massive snake. Um, guy had it for years, and I guess... I think this guy's a lunatic, but the snake slept on his bed, just curled up in the, the bottom corner of the guy's bed. Uh, he obviously sounds single, um, <laughs> mind <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah. And apparently the guy, the, the snake just curled up in a, in a curly cue or what have you and just slept on the end of his bed for years. Wow. And all of a sudden, the snake started sleeping straight up and down like kind of extended itself almost like a human next mm -hmm. to him and did that for a couple weeks and just wondered what the heck was going on because um, it was something that he'd never done before. So he finally took it to the vet and said, what's wrong? Is the snake okay? And the vet said, uh, the snake is measuring you to see if he can <laughs> eat you. That's what they're doing. Oh, man. 
Uh, and again, I heard on the radio probably 20 years, 15 years ago, something like that, or, you know, 20 years ago. So who knows? But I remember that story from a long time ago. So I just, I'm never trying to get measured by a snake. I'm never trying to get eaten by a snake. I'll hold someone else's snake and then give it right back. (laughs) Uh, So that's, I I don't know if you're a reptile guy. My little brother is. Um, he has, he's had a bunch of lizards, but I don't yeah. want anything that can eat me. No, I'm, I'm good on that. My brother likes <laughs> lizards too, but I mean, I've, yeah. I don't mind reptiles, but I'm not trying to keep them around the house. Um, but I, 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 I when he said this, I just thought about our furry friends. That's the first thing that came to mind. I wasn't thinking about our scaly friends necessarily, but <laughs> I should also clarify before we jump into this, that we're not talking about leaving stuff to our pets, right? We're talking about how we take care of our pets when we're gone. Is that correct? Or is it both cases? Um, yes and no. Um, an animal can't exactly have a bank account and own money, but at the same time, and we'll get into more details here, but you can leave things to be used to help take care of the animal. Right. Okay? So okay. you can leave it, you can leave some money to make sure the dog's taken care of. Um, you can't, the dog can't inherit a hundred thousand dollars though, but you can leave, uh, you can leave things to help the caretaker take care of the animals. So we're kind of leaving money for them, but we can't give $50,000 to uh, the cat Fluffy. Okay, it doesn't okay. work like that. Very good. Well, we're going to do that today. We're going to tell you about how to plan for your pets when you're doing this and working with someone like Nick. And as always, you do want to work with an estate planning attorney to make sure that everything is buttoned up to make sure that you're doing everything correct. You're building a strong and, and solid estate plan that uh, won't leave any worry with you or your family when you are gone. And you can find Nick online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can schedule your meeting with Nick now. Just click the button there on the front and you can set up that time to, to meet with him and discuss this or anything else that we talk about on this podcast. All right, Nick, let's uh, let's start off with so just some things that people need to be considering when it comes to uh, their pets and their estate plan. Exactly. The first thing is you need to be realistic about who can and who is willing uh, to take care of the animals uh, when you're gone. Obviously, the more animals you have and the more uh, exotic or higher maintenance the animals are, um, the you know the more difficult that is. If it's just I have a, a very well-behaved middle-aged dog, no problems, everyone loves the dog, that's not a big deal. That 12-foot snake that's measuring people, Okay, well, I'm not taking, I'm not taking your snake. So you need to be careful about that. Um, and again, obviously, it all depends. And one dog versus ten dogs, I think, is different as well. So you need to keep that in mind. Um, also, if you have multiple animals, do they all need to be kept together? Okay, so let's say you have three or four little cats running around. They're all best friends, and you want them to stay together perfectly reasonable. That's okay. But now you need to think about it, not just who will take a cat, it's who will take all four cats, uh, if that's your circumstance. And then again, how much trouble is it to take care of the animals? Are there any special health concerns? Is one of them blind, maybe disabled of some sort? Is there specialized care uh, that needs to be done? Uh, What if it's an outdoor animal, likes to hang, you know, an outdoor cat or a dog that hangs out outside? It's probably not a good idea to give uh, the dogs to your brother-in-law who lives up in north uh, northern Minnesota, okay, where it's too cold. 
Okay, so some things to think about there. How costly are they to take care of? That's another one. Some animals, get them some dog food, some water, take them to the vet every year, and you're good. Um, let's say you had uh, something like horses, and they needed to be in a barn. They needed to be in a stable. They needed to be fed and cleaned every day. Totally different circumstance there. Uh, and then finally, life expectancy. If you have a bunch of dogs who are 15, 20 years old, then we're probably not looking at a long-term commitment. Let's say you have a baby horse, and again, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm just making up numbers <laughs> here. But let's say, let's say, let's say a horse uh, has a life expectancy of about 50 years. Okay, well, who's going to take care of a horse for the next 45 years? Right. That's a much different ask and a much longer-term commitment. Okay, so those are the things you need to keep in mind um, before we even dive into it and have a real conversation about it with the people who may be doing the job, um, because the last thing you want is to put them in a tough situation that's unexpected. All right, guys, I'd like to take a second to uh, pause here and thank today's sponsor for uh, Complete Estate Planning Podcast. Today's episode, financial future is at the forefront of everyone's mind, especially when it comes to retirement. But what investment will give you a legacy that withstands the test of time? While investments in real estate have proven their stability, averaging returns of about 8%, an investment with equity and help will not only give you the best security for your financial future, but an even better return, averaging between 8 and 12%, obtaining both cash flow while leaving a legacy as well. Now, what if your investment helped not only you as the investor, but also hardworking American families in the process? At Equity and Help, they make the process easy by locating properties and finding the perfect family for a home that they might not otherwise have had a chance to own. That's investing with a purpose and turning a profit. Interested? Call your philanthropic investor, a consultant from Equity and Help at 844-552-8828 today or visit equityandhelp.com slash podcast to learn more. Now you have to actually sit down and put a plan in place. So what are some of the options that people need to be thinking through or that you help them with when you're in a meeting with somebody that is thinking about what to do with their pets? Okay, well, the first is the simplest just like an outright transfer. I don't know if I want to call it a gift, but some people do. Just say, all my pets go to my sister Sally. Okay. And that's it. Kind of the end. That's one. You can do uh, kind of a step up from that and say, all my pets go to my sister Sally. And I'm also going to set aside uh, $5,000 to be used for their care. And some people just pick a dollar amount. Some people pick a dollar amount per animal. So $1,000 for each cat, you know, depending on how many animals they have. That future proofs it a little bit in case you have more animals uh, when you pass away or less. Um, And then as far as the money goes, a couple ways you can go about that. You can just write them a check. So you can write Sister Sally a check. And I guess the the, the upside of that is it's very simple, it's very clean, it's very easy. The downside is there's nothing legally keeping Sally from using that money to go on vacation and not necessarily take care of the animals with it because the check's hers. The flip side of that, of course, hold the money in the estate or in the trust and say, we set aside $10,000 for their care and the caretaker can submit bills and expenses to your trustee or your administrator uh, for reimbursement. 
Okay, that way it's monitored and you know the money will be spent the right way, only approved, you know, for their care. But at the same time, then you have to keep the the trust or the estate open longer term, kind of it's an ongoing thing. Um, and, and who knows, especially if it's a small amount of money. You know, I don't know if you need a watchdog for $500, you know, just so we can eat up a couple vet bills. So right. sometimes it's necessary if we're setting aside $100,000 to take care of my four uh, show horses. Well, sure, I I totally agree. I think it makes more sense. But if you're just saying $500 to help out take care of my uh, cat, uh, Fluffy, uh, you know, is it worth kind of keeping things ongoing? And again, I don't know the answer to that, but that's just something to keep in mind. Next, and this is kind of in specialized situations, we'll go back to the horses uh, for an example. If you have horses that are in a farm or a stable of some sort, um, you can arrange to keep the animals where they are instead of sending them to someone else. Um, and then if it's like a stable or a barn or a horse uh, farm, you know, do you... I guess, donate the animals there. So you say, I want all my horses that are currently held at such and such a stable uh, be donated to that organization um, and, and they continue to take care of them. Or do you set aside someone else to be the caretaker, but you say, we set aside $100,000 and we want the horses to stay you know, at the stable or in the pasture that they're at right now. Um, so that's one option. Usually, that comes up most frequently when the animals are not kept at your home. Okay. So like they're yeah. you're paying rent or you're paying, you know, boarding costs for the horses to stay somewhere else. So that's a good example there. Again, that's in, in specialized circumstances only. Um some people like to do this. I don't love it um in specialized circumstances, but sometimes we don't have another option. Ben, you can actually leave the decision up to someone else. Say, okay. my trustee shall be responsible for finding a, a loving home and willing caretaker for my animals. Okay. So, so you can do something like that. So that's, that's one way to go. Of course, there's risks involved, and you have to hope that they'll put in the effort and find a good home, and they decide, not you. Um, and then also you have to decide whether or not to transfer some money to the caretaker, especially when we don't know who the caretaker is. So it's hard to tell me if you trust the caretaker when you don't know who it is. Right. Okay. So it's more flexible, a lot more unknowns. Okay. So some people prefer that, some don't. And then of course the the last ditch effort, and I don't love this, uh, but sometimes it's a uh, like a like a backup or a contingency option. You leave the animals to a shelter or an organization. Again, it's not great, Ben. A lot of these shelters uh, are overrun and yeah. overcrowded as it is. Um, uh, so make sure you have some really good familiarity with that organization. No-kill shelters, um, hopefully one that treat the animals well and can find a good loving home for them. The shelters are actually usually pretty good uh, at finding a home uh, and finding people who are looking to adopt them, but I, I would be careful with that. So make sure you do your due diligence uh, before you send the animals to a shelter. And again, that's if you only have no other options. But that's pretty much what you're looking at. You're either giving yeah. it to someone, keeping the animals where they're at, um, a shelter, or you're leaving the decision up to someone else. 
uh, kind of rolling the dice a little bit. And then above and beyond that, you have to decide uh, what happens uh, and if you're going to set aside some money uh, to take care of them as well. So that's pretty much what it boils down to. Okay. If you do set aside money that is directly identified as, hey, this is for care of the animal, what happens to that money if it doesn't all get used on the animal? Let's say the animal passes away or there's more left than what's actually needed for the animal. How does oh, that get boy. dispensed? Well, and there's a there was a joke that went around at, a, at an old firm that I was with years ago. And this is kind of estate planning nerd jokes, right? So everyone else is going to roll their eyes and realize what a loser I am. Um, but there was a situation where they had a large sum of money for one of our clients being left to an animal. Didn't need it, but it was leaving a very large six or seven figures uh, for a couple cats. But the lady was single. She didn't have any children um, and was an only child. And actually, I think both her parents were only children. So I don't think she had any aunts or uncles or cousins. So she didn't have anyone else and the cats were her children. And that's okay. And then we we kind of joked, and and I and I talked to her. I said, "So what happens when the money, uh, with the rest of the money after the cats are gone? Do, oh, maybe it goes to the caretaker. Well, now these two cats are are sitting between someone and a two million dollar payday. So be careful about that. Okay. So does the caretaker get to keep the money uh, that is unused? And, and look, I kind of make that in, in jest, um, you know, obviously, but. You need to think about it, what kind of motivations there are and how good you know the caretaker. But whatever money is not spent, you need to have some sort of contingency. Does the money go to the caretaker? Do we have backup plans? Maybe leave, uh, maybe leave something to a charity, another family member, whatever's not spent. Um, that's usually what happens. And look, you never know how if you're going to have animals who are alive when you're gone. You never know how much money they'll need. So you need to have something in place. And a good attorney will ask you, what happens if we have money left over and where does it go? And so a number of things to keep in mind. It's always a good idea to have backups. Don't leave the family to just guess or try and figure it out. And, and, and keep your ears open when you talk to your attorney about this. The attorney will keep asking what if so that everything's covered. It's a red flag if they don't. I got you. And what happens to an animal if, if um, you don't have any... Anything in place in the state plan? Does it go through probate? I mean, is it, or does it just end up in a shelter? How, what usually happens in those situations? Well, I've probated animals before. I'm not going to lie. Okay, I've done it yeah. on more than one occasion. It's a little awkward, and a lot of times there's no monetary value. So when on the probate forms, when you list the animal, you know, dog Fluffy, and then estimated value. You put zero dollars, I guess, not as an insult to Fluffy, okay, but uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of the way it goes. And a lot of times you just look, if there's no direction, okay, if the plan doesn't say what happens, I always start with close family members and say, is anyone want to and willing to take on the animals? Hopefully there's no fighting. Okay, hopefully one person's willing to do what no one else is. But if there's nowhere else to go, um, usually you look for an organization and sometimes it goes to a shelter. Okay. That's usually what ends up happening if there's no other provisions. So if that's not what you want, it's better for you to decide what happens with your pets than let the executor decide or just look around and say, who the heck will deal with this? 
just like everything else, it's better for you to decide than to leave it in the hands of someone else. Yeah, if there's one thing we hope to stress on this podcast, it's just that, to have everything in order so that you, uh, you, you have control over what happens with everything that you care about and, and, and the people that you care about in your life. So pets are included, and there are a lot of people that do love their pets and, and consider them part of the family. So I'm glad we're able to kind of go through this today, Nick. And if you have questions about you know, our conversation today or, or anything with estate planning, please don't hesitate to give Nick a call. He always welcomes him. He's actually gotten calls from out of state. Thanks to the podcast, um, people that he won't actually work with directly, but he's always happy to, to give his time and, and share some of his knowledge. Uh, the number is 513-463-6789. Also, you can find him online, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. So, Nick, I, I like this one. I enjoyed this. As a dog person myself, it was kind of good to hear how this all plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and look, I'm sure there's days where you like the dog better than you like your little one. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I won't admit that on the podcast. Well, right. Fair enough. Right. But uh, your, your silence is all the answer. Uh, you're, you're not <laughs> denying it. So that's all the answer I need. But no, it's, you know, the last thing you want to do is abandon the animals. And it doesn't need to be anything overly complicated. But have that conversation and at least come up with a couple good options, good homes for the animals so they're not forgotten or just, you know, kind of left to to hang out in a shelter and hope for the best. So yeah. it's good to do, especially if you like the pets, you like the animals. Um, just keep the snakes at home. We can talk about them. Maybe don't don't bring the snakes into the office for show and tell. That and actually tarantulas, uh, <laughs> those are the worst. My My little brother had one of those at one point. And I forgot why, but he made me hold it. You ever you ever dealt with a, a tarantula? No, I never held ben. one. Yeah, it's not worth it. Um, they have all those <laughs> eyes, yeah, like the fifty eyes that stare right at you, and then the the two fangs that are kind of hanging down. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, now look, I understand that's some people's thing. That's totally okay, and we can plan for it. Um, but again, specialized care. It's worth having the conversation. Have it done right, then leave it to chance. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I appreciate you listening to this episode of the podcast. Complete Estate Planning can be found on your favorite podcasting app, so please hit subscribe, and we look forward to talking to you on the next episode. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.